Support for IPR comes from Corridor Vein Center and Corridor Aesthetics, treatment for varicose veins and spider veins, also providing facial rejuvenation services and treatment for moderate to severe acne. More at Corridor Vein and CorridorAesthetics.com. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. Fifty years ago, the maintenance shop on the ground floor of the Memorial Union at Iowa State University was vacated, renovated, and in January of 1974, it reopened as the maintenance shop, a student-run bar and performance venue. The iconic stained glass that backs the stage and bar came from a country church auction and cost just $150. Once all the pieces were put together, the M Shop quickly became a popular spot for A-list folk, jazz, and blues musicians. Many of those concerts were broadcast on what was then Iowa Public Television and the series. Jazz at the Maintenance Shop was syndicated around the world. And even when there wasn't a show going on, the M Shop became a popular hangout spot. This hour, we're going to reminisce about 50 years of the M Shop and what makes this space so special. We'd love to hear your memories. You can give us a call at 866-780-9100. You can also send email to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. And here's a song that may bring back some memories from the mid-90s. Just another pedal on the floor again. Where have you been this time? Just another pedal on the floor again. We can just be friends. I'll pick another daisy Pick another daisy That's Daisy from the album New Start by the Nadas, a band that got its start in Ames in 1993 and is still going strong. They were inducted into the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2018 and released their latest album, Come Along for the Ride, last year. And Jason Walsmith of the Nadas is here with me now. Hi, Jason. Good morning, Charity. It's great to have you here. And I want to talk about uh, your life pre-Nadas to start with. Uh, you were a student at Iowa State University. Do you remember when you first went to the M shop? Yeah, I can't tell you the first show necessarily, but I remember the first few shows. And I remember going there. I was I was a photographer for the Iowa State Daily, which got me a photo pass. And, nice. And so I went in and photographed every show I could. So tell me a little bit about what struck you? I mean, you you were doing a job, you obviously loved music, but what struck you about that space when you first started spending time there? Yeah, it was, it, it was and is a magical space. It, it kind of, um, it, it has this, uh, it, I, I don't know, it like makes people want to behave, <laughs> use their manners and listen. And uh, that was new for me. You know, I kind of grew up in, in Des Moines and I listened to mainstream radio and saw big shows at the fair at Veterans Auditorium or at the Civic Center. And before that, I didn't really know that there were these small, intimate venues that had working musicians come through and play and tour. And it was uh, an eye-opening experience for me. Can you remember specifically some of the musicians that you got to see in that space? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Greg Brown. uh, That's when I was introduced to Greg Brown, which, you know, changed my life. And... um, Charlie Musilwhite was one, Taj Mahal, Arlo Guthrie. Um, and I, I don't know if this is true or just in my head that it's like my own legend, but I, I feel like I saw Uncle Tupelo there before, you know, they became Sunvolt and Wilco. And um, so 
<laughs> you know, a lot, well, they're they're a on lot the list. Things. It could have yeah. happened. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, I, I I was at one of one of those shows. Uh, David Wilcox was really inf- influential to me as a solo singer songwriter. Um, kind of taught me that you can write songs that aren't just on the radio and hits. You know. So I mean, some of those shows you mentioned, like Arlo Guthrie, those shows are kind of famously or were famously difficult to get into. As a photographer for the Daily, did you kind of have a, a free pass to see whatever you wanted to see? I had a photo pass, a that's, free pass for life. That's kind of what, that's awesome. what, what uh, in, you know, one of the reasons I was inspired to be a photographer. But yeah, I had that photo pass. And no matter how full the room was, I had a little spot on the stairs I could sit. So you, you say it's a space that, that makes people want to behave. I mean, it's kind of a unique room. It's a it's a basement room, yep. <laughs> and and the stage is along, you know, the wall. So there, you really can see the stage from every part of the room, but it, it does definitely have a different feel than a lot of performance venues. Yeah, it's like the stage is its own little peninsula, or it's almost in the round a right. little bit, you know. And then I think maybe the stained glass gives it sort of a reverence that makes you just uh, focus on on that moment. So you were photographing these shows. You got to see a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. When you were also starting to grow as a musician, did having that kind of access help form your idea of what the Nadas could be? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it sort you know, we when we started, we were kind of a scrappy college party band and it wasn't until we played the maintenance shop it was like it that was something to achieve something to like aim for um you know people's bar and grill was our home and that was like the party rock college bar um but to play a show at the maintenance shop was to to get in front of that audience that wanted to to listen and focus on the music and it was a little different was it hard to get into the m shop as a musician i think it was i think it might still be <laughs> i think i think it was uh I, I remember feeling like, well, every every show back then felt like an accomplishment, but that one felt like the real deal, you know. Do you remember the first time you played there? I wish I could say I did, but my uh, after thirty years, right? It's a they little probably bit run like, run together. A it's little a little bit, bit like Groundhog Day. Um, <laughs> you know, I re- I remember some of the first times we played there and some of those moments, but I can't differentiate one from the other. So, I mean, contrast for me, you know, what what was different about playing at the M Shop than playing at, at People's or many of the other parties that you played at? Um, a, a really diverse audience. So, you know, they, they always had a, I don't know if they still do this, I assume they do, but they always had this really good sort of program of a, of a student price ticket and, a, and, a, and then a regular resident uh, uh, price ticket. And there were definitely more just sort of like Ames residents that came to the maintenance shop shows. And so it got us in front of a different audience. There were still students there, but um, but it was a listening crowd. And that was really unique as starting out as a band and a college band, you know. So when you say a listening crowd, that the crowd went silent. They they wanted to hear the music, which is in contrast to maybe a bar full of young people who are just there to party. <laughs> yeah, People's was known as like the talking, the talkie bar. Like for all the nationally touring bands that came through, they just knew it was going to be a loud bar full of students, you know, talking and being loud. Whereas the maintenance shop, 
you knew was a, a place where people were going to focus on the music. So when you played there, and you, you did a few shows over the years, but not a ton. I mean, you did you play more than once a year in the M shop? No, I think I think it was maybe once a year when we were students there and when we lived there. Um, and then, yeah, it was like an exclusive thing where you uh, we we felt really lucky and fortunate to to get a show there when we did. Did you have any traditions or routines that were part of that experience for you? Uh, well, one one uh, funny thing that I remember is that so. You know, like as a band, you travel around, you have a hospitality writer that you um, ask for certain things to be backstage and you ask for certain um, requirements for like dinner or for food, catering to be brought in. Um, But what they did was it was they always brought in Little Taipei, which was my favorite Ames Chinese restaurant. It <laughs> so, was also my favorite Ames Chinese restaurant back in the right? day. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it it so it, it was felt, so inexpensive, but yet so good. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I had the I I used to get the coupon books for my birthday. They were twenty eight dollars for ten meals. <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> yeah. Oh my anyway, goodness. that's what they would bring in as little Taipei, and it was it was so fun to to be to have a catered in meal. You know, feel like a rock star, but have it be like your favorite restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you've played so many spaces uh, over the years. I mean, over the decades, you've played so many different places. Why do you think the M Shop endures? I mean, I, I went to Iowa State, and I think students there take it for granted. I certainly took it for granted, and I never really thought about how special it was to have this space there. But why why do you think it's so special and endures? Man, that is a great question. I, I, th- I think maybe having this perspective now as being an artist this long, um, the reputation of a place just spreads through, you know, the, the touring band community or touring musician community. And so places get a reputation and, and it just, uh, and they live up to it, you know? So, um, I think it endures because it always presented this, this great, diverse selection of music it included the community and the students and uh you know they paid attention to the right things i think i think that is astonishing in a lot of ways partially because it is a student-run organization i mean we'll we'll talk to some of the you know professional managers here in a few minutes but Students come and go. I mean, there's not a whole lot of continuity. You're going to be there for just a couple of years, especially when you get to a leadership uh, position. But that that's pretty incredible that there's that kind of continuity and consistency. That is true. Yeah. But also at the same time, like when you're that age, I think that's when you're the most passionate and invested in your what you listen to, you know. And uh, so maybe maybe those students took it seriously. They did when we were there. And they ended up, a lot of them ended up, you know, they were our friends even before we got booked there or became friends after we got booked there. But yeah, we knew the we knew the people that were working there because we were students there and they were too. All right. Well, and we'll talk uh, with some recent students a little bit later this hour and at least one who did turn this into a professional career as well. Jason, thank you so much for sharing your memories with me today. Thank you for having me on and letting me be a little nostalgic. I appreciate it.
Jason Wellsmith of the Nada, speaking of nostalgia for a lot of us who were names in the 90s. They did release a new album just last year in 2023. It's called Come Along for the Ride. So we'll go out here with a little bit from that album. But we'd also love to hear your M Shop memories. Give us a call 866-780-9100 or send email to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. This is the other side of the 45 by the Nadas. Support for IPR comes from Corridor Vein Center and Corridor Aesthetics, treatment for varicose veins and spider veins, also providing facial rejuvenation services and treatment for moderate to severe acne. More at Corridor Vein and CorridorAesthetics.com. Support for IPR comes from The Healing Room at Upstream Functional Medicine, offering medical spa services that support the body's natural ability to detoxify from environmental challenges. Learn more about The Healing Room at upstreamfm.com. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. This hour, we are reminiscing about 50 years of the maintenance shop, a bar and performance venue on the ground floor of the Iowa State University Memorial Union, run by the Student Union Board and still going strong. We would love to hear your memories this hour. You can give us a call at 866-780-9100, 866-780-9100. You can also send email to Talk of Iowa at iowapublicradio.org. I've been talking a lot about the the musical performances in the maintenance shop, but a lot of other kinds of performances have been there as well. And Debbie wrote to say, we fondly remember the late 70s, early 80s, when Susan Thomas Lee and John Lee produced and starred in many theater productions at the M Shop. I believe we saw Pippin, one of the Shakespeare comedies, maybe it was As You Like It, and Hair. Also saw John McCutcheon at least once there. The intimacy is the key. Again, you can share your memories. Talk of Iowa at iowapublicradio.org. With me now is Dan Rice. He was the first full-time manager of the maintenance shop from 1980 through 1984. These days, he is transfer relations and outreach advisor with the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences at Iowa State University. Hello, Dan. Hello, Charity. Thank you so much for being here. Yep, I can hear yeah. you. <laughs> take take us back to to the beginning for you. When did you first get connected with the M Shop? <laughs> you know, this 50 year anniversary is bringing back lots of memories for me. And I just started 45 years ago as a bartender there. Um, so when I was a, I, I was a student, I was an older student. I started at age 20. Um, when I graduated high school, I kind of traveled with the old long hair and VW. <laughs> all nice. around the country. So it was back <laughs> in the day. Um, but I started bartending there and then it was run by, totally run by student union board. Then then the student union board actually hired the managers, um, back then. And when I, the next year I'd, I'd actually managed some bars down in Des Moines before I came to school. And so I had some experience and that next year I applied and I actually became the manager. And at the time I thought it was just for a year because that's what it was before, but it turned out it was a year-to-year-to-year contract, so I thought, "Holy cow, I got a job!" Um, so it was—it was an interesting place, uh, fantastic place to work. Uh, the memories are flooding back in this hundredth or fiftieth anniversary. So, 
Yeah. So when when you were managing the M Shop, I mean, tell me a little bit about booking acts because when you look through the list <laughs> over the years, I mean, there's <laughs> long list, yeah. very long list, a lot of jazz, a lot of blues, a lot of folk. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot. Of, it's really an eclectic mix of yep. musicians. Tell me, was there was there a a vision, a mission to that? I wouldn't call it a mission. I'd call it a vision. I think um, when I started, it, the, the Jazz of the Maintenance Shop series had already been syndicated worldwide. And that was a five-show uh, series for public television, like Charlie Mingus, Dexter Gordon, Phil Woods. And so it had been syndicated worldwide. So there was a lot of, um, uh, as, as Jason was talking about, people knew about the shop and there's people wanted to play there. So... When I first started and started working with student um, programmers, we really never had to go out and look for bands. They were looking for us. Um, the, some of the original music directors there had a mission of doing their, one of them was from Chicago, and he did a lot of Chicago blues. I think, um, was it J.B. Hutto and the Hawks was the first uh, blues show, and they said they broke the doors down for that one. Um, but that was kind of the mission was to do the best in the world. Uh, to basically jazz, blues, and folk, and kind of other eclectic things. That's that list kind of reflects that. We were never really into the just popular rock and roll stuff. We were more into the best, the best of jazz and blues, um, and then the folk. I, I, Jason mentioned, mentioned Arlo Guthrie was kind of one of my dreams to do. Great guy to meet. Um, but yeah, we did a lot of people. Well, we we have a lot of people who want to share their memories, and since we've been talking, <laughs> since we've been talking about blues, let's bring Earl into the conversation in Grinnell. Hi, Earl. Hello. Hi. What Thank do you, you remember? Fine memories. Thank you for the memories of the fine shows that I've seen and all the production work that's gone on behind the scenes. Uh, I did see all the uh, shows from the public television blues at the Manning Shop, and even got a call many years later from the West Coast. Someone saw me in the count. But uh, the proximity to Chicago, of course, influenced the accessibility to Chicago blues. But I also wanted to ne- mention another show that was on later, well, in the evenings, Heat with John Hockenberry. Now, John Hockenberry had a family connection to Ames through his wife, I believe. But he had access to all these shows that are bands that he knew would be out on tour. So if you listen to that show, you would get a, a preview of bands that might come through the main shop. Uh-huh. I'm thinking in particular of a band from South Africa, Mahatine and Mahatala Queens. Wonderful, wonderful show. Dancing and everything. So, and that's about our, our yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot for, for sharing, Earl. So, I mean, in so many ways, I mean, you were, you were booking music that was really cutting edge, Dan. Yes, yes. And that, I also want to highlight the fact that the shop was started and really jointly run by MERS, the Memorial, Memorial Union Resident Summer Theater, which we did plays along with music there. And that was really where it, it got its map in Ames in terms of John, I mentioned John and Susan Lee um, were the directors of that. And every summer they had a summer stock theater there. And for they'd be doing five full plays, blocking, rehearsing three before they went on and Saturday Night Follies. It was crazy in the summer there, like Jesus Christ Superstar, um, Hair, Kramer, uh, Played Against Sam. Theater was a big part, and I was had a counterpart, a theater director, and then I was a music director, essentially, and I ran the bar. Um, but the theater was just as big, I mean, probably bigger <laughs> in many cases than the, 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 the music. And we kind of competed for the space in the shop. 
Um, some of the lighting was uh, great lighting in the maintenance shop was due to the theater productions that were down there. It's basically a big black box. Um, and some fantastic stuff was done down there. Can you tell me about some of the, the really memorable shows that, that you got to be a part of when you were working there, Dan? The music shows? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think your caller mentioned the, the blues at the main shop. I was co-producer of that. Um, and we started out, actually, Dave Milberg, who'd been a music director in the before I got there. We're part of the jazz series. And then he came back to grad school and actually became my roommate and then director of the shop again. So we thought, it was the second year I was managing, we thought we were going to do great things this year. What can we do that would be great? And you know, what the blues, we're going to have, we started planning an outdoor blues festival um, and got all the way almost to the point of pulling the trigger on doing that over at the Boone Ski Hill. Um, that's where it was going to be. And we're almost ready to pull the trigger when um, public television called us and said, hey, we want to do another show. We're like, oh crap, we can't do both. Oh. Um, and then we said, do you want to do a blues show? And so we did basically a lot of the artists we would have done outside we're gonna we did in the blue show there that seven eight part blue show um those are some of the memorable times john John lee hooker is probably the best show i'd ever seen and it was done in the summertime real hot summer june uh, day on the set because it was summer merch theater going on they had one day off of their week and we did like on a tuesday on the set of mousetrap like a living room so the the john lee hooker show was done on a theater set (laughs) um with public televisions that was kind of fun you uh, you had Leon Redbone play there a couple yes. of times when you were there, and I know he was one of Crazy your favorites. Crazy guy. Tell, tell me about Crazy him. Crazy guy. He was a very eccentric individual. Nobody really understood him. He has that mystique of having no birthday, and nobody ever knows where he came from. Uh, he passed away a couple of years ago. It's kind of sad. Um, but when we first did him, I was it was nervous, nerve wracking. But um, we had the uh, the great pleasure of actually pulling a practical joke on him on stage. And his his tuba player, Jason or J- Jonathan, um, said that we're probably the only person that could pull a practical joke on Leon Redbone. But it was a a thing where he had a little shtick on the, on the stage where he had a little envelope of what back in the '80s, a little like a little cocaine uh, seal thing, and he'd pick it up and open it up, and it'd all fly all over him. It was like white powder. You know, that was his shtick. Oh, what's this? And everybody, oh, the audience, what are you doing? You just, just all on the stage. Well, he'd complained about not having a garlic pizza earlier. So then we end up having garlic powder. And we'd put the garlic powder, packed that little uh, envelope full of that instead of a white powder, we'd garlic powder. And he opened that thing up and it flew all over the stage in the front row, which is right there, the maintenance shop. It's yeah. Like right there. They're, you know, they're, they're, Eyes were watering, and Jonathan was laughing. The whole we were just busting, and he he claims he didn't know it all. Well, he did. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those. But he was actually, I, I got to work with him twice, and then uh, after I re- after I left the maintenance shop, became a student. Um, there was a production of William Ribbon down at the uh, 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 down in Des Moines, and the and the and the producer or promoter wanted me to actually be the host for William Redbone because they'd heard so bad he was. So I actually got to doing quite well. And I was his host at that show down in Moine. Nice. So and obviously you weren't playing practical jokes on, on most of the no, artists no, who were on no. the stage. <laughs> and I mean, that that was one of the things that, that really made artists want to come to the maintenance shop oh, was yeah. that they were treated oh, yeah. well. Tell me a little bit about that. I think Jason nailed that. Um, we always had the mindset that it was all about what was on the stage, not about us, not about um, I mean, the crowd, we, it was, the seats were uncomfortable, but they packed people in, but what was going on on the stage? So we treated them well before, after, uh, communication wise, whatever they needed. 
Um, so yeah, the reputation, my sound person, um, I know you have a, a current sound person here, <laughs> yeah. but his, uh, he knew that room backwards and forwards and forwards and backwards. And he, uh, with limited equipment would make that sound in that basement. Basically it is a basement of concrete walls sing. I mean, he can make it really work. And, uh, they all knew that. And I'd always have uh, professional light people. And because of all the theater lighting, it was pretty professional. We could be able to highlight and do a lot of lighting. And that was very appreciated too. So. Um, it was all about what was going on stage. And I think Jason nailed it with that comment because uh, we really treated the artist well and that, that went a long way. This was obviously an important part of your life and, and you went yep. in a different direction. You went back to school and you're, you're still working yep. for Iowa State University. But how do you think that time yep. at the M Shop shaped you? You know, um, I, I still think about it. Now with this 50th anniversary coming, it's like on my mind a lot. You know, I have scrapbooks at the time and go through all those, but I'm starting to connect with a lot of people. There's actually a Merced, uh reunion coming up this summer too. All the people that were involved in the theater back in those days, there's a reunion coming up this summer, um, and that's starting to get a big Facebook page and things. Uh, it's it was days. It was a different time um, when we, when Friday afternoons was called the FAC Club. I don't know if Charity, you were here at the time, but um, it was Friday afternoon. Was a the place was packed, um, you know, cheap beer and the drinking age was 18, I think, back then. Um, so it wasn't a problem that way. Uh, it got so large, we started doing terrace parties. And about for four uh, Fridays in, in the spring and the fall, we'd go outside on the terrace and sell brats and do music out there. Uh, we'd go through a lot of kegs of beer out there. Um, I mean, but back then, the administrators were on the, st- on, the on the campus with us, the student president of student affairs. Um, Tom Thielen, I got pictures of him out there with us. It was just the thing we did. It wasn't a, um, and it was about all faculty and staff and students. It wasn't just students enjoying the things going on in the maintenance shop. We had, th- we had things going on in the maintenance shop from lectures to one-act plays at lunch to promotions for things. We did movies. Um, the, the one, of the, <laughs> one of the interesting moments is when we had a, a Harley Davidson up in the shop on the stage when we played Easy Rider. Uh, it was a show, it played the movie Easy Rider, and I remember it's the only student employee I ever fired, <laughs> and that was because uh, I said, "Do not start that thing up in the building." And I was up in my office, and I heard that thing go, and I went down that. Yeah. <laughs> you could hear that Harley Davidson all the way up on the third floor of the Union, and um, but those are the kind of things we did. I think the Follies when they did that merch in the summer, a horse they had a horse down the maintenance shop walk through one time. <laughs> Um, oh, we, yeah, actually a horse. Yeah. That seems like a bad uh, idea. Crazy stuff. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. So you mentioned that, that, uh, Friday after class. Yes. That, so if you had a show Friday night and you had oh. a huge crowd Friday <laughs> afternoon, did that cause yep. some problems? It was a tradition. Um, we would have to get everybody out of there before we set up for the bands. And um, a lot of times the bands would have to be there like at 5 o'clock we'd start setting up. So the place would be packed from noon to 4. Um, and we had a tradition of playing the William Tell Overture. Uh, very, very loud to get people out of there. And it was basically cut it down and we'd clean it all up and shut it down and set the band up. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, that brings back some memories. <laughs> And you got some complaints. Picture, picture, from... picture that at high volume. <laughs> <laughs> and you got some complaints from uh, from people staying at the hotel because there used to be yeah. a hotel in the Memorial Union about this too. Yep. 
Yep, one time they somebody called down and said, what is that? Yeah, well, we're just getting people out for a louder show later on, probably. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just wait. <laughs> You're going to hear something yeah, else wait. a little bit later on. Oh, Dan, yeah. it has been such a pleasure to talk <laughs> with you. Thanks for being here today. Well, this 50th has been fun. I know that one thing I'm just amazed that it's still there. I mean, I, I, it's a lot of us are just amazed it's still going. And I think a lot of that comes from traditions that were started long before I got there. Yeah. So, yeah. Dan cool. Rice was the first full-time manager of the maintenance shop from 1980 through 1984. These days, he's transfer relations and outreach advisor at the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences at Iowa State University. And I, I want to bring the present-day manager into the conversation. Uh, Jim Brockpoller is here. He is entertainment programs coordinator and maintenance shop manager and advisor. Hi, Jim. Hey, how's it going? Good. Thank you so much for being here. So, I mean, you were listening to Dan talk about how things were in the, the early 1980s. How different does it feel today? I mean, yeah, uh, things have, have, you know, changed to a degree, of course, with the times. But but in all reality, you know, listening to Jason, listening to Dan, um, you know, what's really cool about the M Shop is through that 50 years, it, it's still that place. They're still playing. You know, we're still bringing in great bands, great acts. Um you know, our students just had a awesome sold, I guess it was free, but at capacity show this past Friday and in right from that same stained glass that, you know, all these artists have played in front of, which is, is really cool to see that tradition continue and see, you know, the, the students of now, some couple of which are here with us today as well, um, you know, carrying that on. So it's, it's really cool to be part of that. Yeah, we, we'd love to hear memories this hour. We've got uh, Les on the line from Waterloo who performed in the M Shop back in 1978. Hi, Les. Hi there. Hi, what's your memory? Well, as you said, just said, I, as a high school senior, no less, um, I was playing in, in, uh, with the adult Fort Dodge Big Band. My high school band director, Jack Oates, was directing that group and needed a second tenor player, and I was good enough to take the chair as a senior. So I had got the memory of playing in the maintenance shop, I think it was February or March of 78. Oh, wow. And what was it like to be in that space? That was, I mean, I was just awestruck as a kid. I can imagine. Les, thank you so much for calling. And I mean, I'm sure that uh, with this 50th anniversary, Jim, you're hearing from so many people who probably played this space over the years, thousands and thousands of people from the the really famous musicians to high school students to college students that that must be really interesting and we're gonna have to take a short break here we'll play we'll play a little bit of jefferson starship here and and we'll talk about jefferson starship when we get back because yes they played the m shop as well and you are welcome to join the conversation with your memories of the maintenance shop at iowa state university we're celebrating the 50th anniversary the number to call 866-780-9100 with me right now Jim Brockpoller the manager of the M shop this is Talk of Iowa Support for IPR comes from the Healing Room at Upstream Functional Medicine offering medical spa services that support the body's natural ability to detoxify from environmental challenges learn more about the Healing Room at upstreamfm.com It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. This hour, we are reminiscing about 50 years of the maintenance shop, a bar and performance venue on the ground floor of the Iowa State Memorial Union. It is run by the Student Union Board and still going strong. The first shows were in January of 1974. 
With me right now is Jim Brockpoller. He is the manager these days, entertainment programs coordinator and maintenance shop manager and advisor. And we'd love to hear from you, your memories as well. You can give us a call at 866-780-9100. You can send email to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. And um, Jim, you came in the in what, in 2011? What brought you to the M Shop? Uh, yeah, I, I came from a school in Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, also had a, a small venue there that, you know, kind of booked some of the same touring acts the M Shop was bringing through. But uh, my wife is, a, is an Iowa native, and uh, and so it was a chance to get her closer to her family. Uh, so when the Iowa State job came up, uh, applied and, and been here since. We were talking a few minutes ago about, you know, the, the real focus on jazz and blues for a lot of the years. But it's always been a really eclectic mix of, of different kinds of music and different kinds of performances over the years. You have also had um, groups come and play there just before they hit it big. You had the, the Lumineers playing in, in April of 2012. Tell me about that. Yeah, that was that was a great show, and lots of acts like that. Lots of acts before they break, you know, uh, lots of great local acts. Lots of um, you know, kind of folks that have already, you know, been been established for a while. But uh, but yeah, Lumineers was a very fun show. I think that was that that spring, like you said, in 2012. And uh, and uh, there's a fun video out on YouTube for a while of them doing uh, Ho Hey in their big song in the M Shop, which is really cool to see. I think we looked for it the other day and, and couldn't find it any longer. Might have been taken down. Um, but yeah, that was a fun, fun show. We were just, we actually were just shy of selling out. So the M Shop capacity is 195. I think we had 183 sold for that show. So good, good crowd. Um, good show. And then they they blew up that following summer. And I think it was a few years later they played Wells Fargo Arena. Um, you know, getting that big. Yeah. And they actually shouted out the M Shop M Shop from stage at Wells Fargo. So oh, very I wasn't cool. at that show, but I I had people texting me that they just talked about the M Shop on stage. So. <laughs> I also promised that we were going to talk about Jefferson Starship. They played the M Shop in 2013, and <laughs> you've got some pretty strong memories of that event as well. Can you tell me more? Yeah, that was just a you know a fun fun show to book. You know, music legends right there with Paul Kantner at the helm, and uh, um, you know just band that played Woodstock basically. But uh, I remember during that show, our green room area kind of got to go up this flight of stairs, which actually is a really unique, neat part of the M Shop is a uh, is that you know the band has to come through the crowd to get to the stage the way it's set up? But uh, but Paul kind of during amidst the show and they did a longer set. He took a break and he went up to the green room and manager you know well Paul wants to talk to you so I went up to the green room and uh, and Paul's sitting in there taking his break and he kind of starts yelling at me that uh, our we have these bookmarks that we advertise our shows with and they have featured pictures on the one side and uh, and we had used inadvertently um, we had used one of the students had put on a picture of Jefferson Airplane with uh, Grace Slick involved. And Paul wasn't wasn't looking for that. He wasn't very cool Aww. with that. So he's kind of, you know, kind of a little bit, you know, in a, in, a, in a nice way, reading me the riot act on that. But uh, I was just sitting there going, how cool I'm being yelled at by Paul Katner in the green room right now. And I just saw, <laughs> you know, thought that. So I was, I, was I don't, I don't know that that world, would have been so. my response. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> so tell me, tell me how the M shop came through the pandemic. I mean, that's that was really hard on a lot of music venues. And the M shop is is still at it. Yeah, yeah, we were, um, you know, we're very lucky in the position we were with the, the university and the Memorial Union to have the support there. Um, and we were able to, you know, we, we kind of closed down for a while like anyone else, but then we, you know, folks still kind of wanted live music. And so with the students at the time, we discussed a plan to, you know, safely still bring in some of that live music, some, you know, 
basically just local shows. We did have one Chicago blues artist come through, but you know, everybody is well distanced from the stage and each other. And we, you know, had a good game plan of how to kind of you know, set tables up that chose to be together and space those from others with, you know, masks and all the COVID protocols Iowa state had in place. Um, so yeah, it was, you know, not, not great times for anyone, uh, M shop included, but we, we made it through and we're still able to, you know, keep the, keep the space going. We have this note from Mark. He says, I felt like I had a second home at the M shop with bands like House of Large Sizes, Bowbud Green and Neptune's Moon, all great acts and a blast to make those connections with artists and friends back then. And I want to bring Allison uh, into the conversation here. Allison Talliot is maintenance shop co-director and a junior at Iowa State University. Hi, Allison. Hi, Charity. Thank you for being here. And what drew you to the M shop? Um, I have always loved live music growing up, so like the chance to work at a venue and help book bands just seemed like the perfect opportunity for me. And we've talked about how the M Shop has been a desirable place for bands to play over the years. Can you tell me how booking bands works? Do they still come to you for the most part? Yeah, for the most part, they still reach out to us and they just kind of send us any dates that they're looking at to come to the M Shop. And then we have a calendar that we look at and we just see like what dates will work out. And then if we decide the band is worth booking, then we'll send them an offer and hopefully they accept it and we get the show on the books. So how many performances do you have in a given week? It varies, um, but I'd say we average like one to two at least every week. How do you balance that with being a student? That sounds like a lot of responsibility. It is, but I shout out to uh, my calendar. I, I live by that thing. Uh, I put everything on there and it, it really helps me keep track of my time. Do you have a favorite show so far? Uh, well, out of the ones, I guess I've gone to a couple shows in the past um, before I was director, but we just had our first show and I definitely would say that was my favorite. Um, me and my co-director during the whole time, we were like, yeah, like this is going to be so much fun we like had no clue how many people were going to show up because it was just some two local bands. And um, as the night was going on, we were keeping track of how many people were in. And we kept checking in with each other, being like, what are we at? What are we at? And it just kept going up and up and up. And finally, uh, my co-director Ari looks at me and she we were farther away and like the band was playing. So like we couldn't hear each other. But she used her hands to like s- signal the numbers to me. And she she just like numbered out one nine five, and we both were just so totally blown away. Right. So your first show as co-director was a sellout crowd. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> that that sounds great. And does it feel like a pres- lot of pressure to be the co-director this year, this fiftieth anniversary year? Um, I would say definitely, maybe a little bit, but I mean. We've got a lot of good things coming, so I'm very excited for what the year has. What are you most excited about? Um, I would say I'm most excited about just honestly being at more shows and getting to run them. Um, after having our first show being such a big success, I think like there's going to be a lot of more situations like that. So I'm very excited to see those happen. Yeah, I'm sure word gets around because, it, I mean, Jim, that that's one of the interesting things about the M Shop, too, is is not only do the students who are running the place ebb and flow and they don't stay all that long, they can't stay all that long, but you've got this new audience that arrives on campus every single year. And I'm sure that there's a different culture that, that grows up around the M Shop, depending on who's at the university. Do you feel that? 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, and I, I've seen that in the you know decade plus I've been around, and, uh, and it, you know, kind of changes with the students, and it's you know fully changed since the pandemic. But uh, but once again, though, you know, the, the neatest thing of the M Shop is when we have alums stop by seventies, eighties, nineties, you know, to now, um, they're uh, you know. To talk to those alums as they come in, you kind of spot them. They're looking around. They have that nostalgic look in their eyes, and uh, and they're they're still, they're having the same experiences. They're talking the same thing. The, what the M shop means to them, you know how how much how much they, time they spent there, the shows they saw. It's still the same for the students now, and I think that's the neatest part. You know, things change, music changes, way we do shows changes, uh, but the students, their enjoyment, you know, and then patrons and the students that go on to be alums and become patrons in that way, um, you know, is also cool to see that stay the same over 50 years. And I, I want to bring Hassan Reif into the conversation, too. He just graduated from Iowa State University in December of 2023 in electrical engineering, and he is now a live audio engineer for Pinnacle Recording and Productions in Ankeny and the former lead sound tech for the M Shop. Hassan, welcome. Hi, Charity. Thank you for being here. And we've talked about this kind of unique space that the M Shop is. It is a basement room and the stage is very open. It's along a long wall. And and doing sound in the M Shop is pretty different from doing sound in a lot of different places. Can you describe the challenges of this space for me? Yeah, um, you're going to get unique challenges in any small room. I like to describe mixing in the M Shop as uh, combat mixing. Um <laughs> The sound is, uh, it depending on where you are in the room, it, it varies a lot. And so um, one thing that I learned pretty quickly is uh, you got to get out of the sound booth and you got to walk around um, and see, you know, how it sounds in different points of the room um, because, um, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how it sounds in the sound booth. It, it matters how it sounds out in the audience. Um, so that, that's one thing I, I picked up pretty quickly. And, um, you know, also just learning... Um, you know, the limitations of having a loud drum kit and guitar amplifiers uh, in a small room, the sound builds up very quickly. Um, so, you know, working with the band to, you know, manage stage volume and make sure that the vocals can be heard. Uh, some nights it's it's easier, easier than others, but, um, you know, the, the, those challenging nights are the ones where you learn something. And am I remembering correctly that it it was the M Shop that actually drew you to Iowa State? Yeah, uh, I did my first two years uh, at the University of Iowa, and uh, one of my favorite bands at the time was a is a group called Tiny Moving Parts, and uh, you know whenever they they played within driving distance, me and my friends were there. So um, they they played the M Shop in 2017, and um, when I heard that it was in a venue uh, that was owned by the university, my first thought was uh, this <laughs> this is going to be disappointing because. You know, so often it seems that the university's idea of fun doesn't necessarily right. align it with the students. But it sounds uncool, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was I was very pleasantly surprised. Um, I, 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 it was a really unique space, and I loved it. And so, um, I, I was thinking about transferring um, at the time, uh, and so knowing that. I could probably land a job at the maintenance shop definitely helped sway me because I, I had some experience in live sound. I was an AV tech at the Memorial Union and I would, you know, help my friends, you know, put on basement shows and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. Wow. So in addition to getting a degree in electrical engineering, I mean, it sounds like you got a degree in the M shop. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> I like to tell my friends that I, I studied at, you know, the University of the Maintenance Shop, really. And it it. it it changed the the course of my my career. I went into college thinking I would get some 
I don't know, an engineering desk job. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, but it was uh, during my time at the maintenance shop that I realized you can make a career out of live sound. It's, it's not a very common path, but um, it is possible. And so at some point along the way, I guess I, I decided I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do that instead of getting a real job. And it's been, it's been paying my bills. Wow. Well, congratulations. That's, you're living the dream. Yeah, I guess so. All right. Well, we have a lot of people who want to share their memories, so stick with us. But uh, Booney is on the line in Des Moines. Hi, Booney. Hello. How are you? Good. And you are another former director of the M Shop? Uh, that is correct. I uh, I actually got my foot in the door there as a front of house sound engineer in 98. And in 2000, um, I stepped into the role of director and did booking with uh, Eric Yarwood, who was coordinator at the time. Oh, wow. And do you have a favorite memory? I'm sure you saw a lot of great shows in those years. I've seen literally hundreds of sets in there. Um, I remember in 2000 in October, we did a run of 13 nights in a row. Um, some of those including Hank Three, um, Alejandro Escovedo. We had John Doe at the time. Um, big bands like Less Than Jake, The Buzzcocks, Alkaline Trio, all of those bands happened when, my, when I was either a director or I was front of house sound. So I, it was it was an utter pleasure to be able to spend as much time in, in the shop. Probably more years than I should have been in college, but it was <laughs> some of the best memories of my life. Absolutely. Again, I mean, I think that's a that's a thread that we see with a lot of folks who got involved at the it's M tough. shop. It, it's tough to leave that room. You don't want to leave that room. I just it's a part of me is in that room. Oh, Booney, thanks so much for the call. And uh, Kirk is on the line in Iowa City. Music director in 1973. Kirk? Tell, yeah, tell me about this. Um, oh, it was a great experience. People came from many different departments, not necessarily theater or music, which sets them up for life. But Man of La Mancha was in a setting of a dungeon and being the first performance in a space that was a maintenance shop it was brick walls, concrete floors, and the sets were created on a very low budget. So the acoustics were really live. And with the audience in a theater in the round experience, it was um, really intense. So it was awesome music, awesome theatrical performances. And it's fun to think of it as the first opportunity to play there. Yeah. Kirk, thank you so much for the call. We have an email from Robin Williams of the folk duo Robin and Linda Williams, and they have played the M Shop many, many times. And uh, Robin says, as I write this, I think of the first time we played the maintenance shop. I think we were the first act ever in the venue, and we did a nooner to drum up interest for the show that night. It was an empty room with no bar, and there was a makeshift stage set up in the middle of the room with chairs set up on four sides. So it's come a long way since then. And we are nearly out of time, but Jim, I would just love for you to take a moment and, and reflect on this moment in time, looking forward, and what makes the maintenance shop such a very special place. I mean, yeah, just uh, just the, the history, the history of it all, and all of the students and all the people you've had call in and email in. That was really cool that, you know, Robin emailed in as well. We hope to get them back some sometime soon. Um but I think that the people here in the room with me, Dan and Allison and Sign and uh, Jason earlier, and just all, all the people that made up this this long history um, for the space and that it continues today. And we've got students like Allison so excited to take the reins and, 
you know, make this 50th anniversary year, a uh, year of great, more great shows in front of that same stained glass. It's a, it's an iconic space for Ames. It's a iconic venue for Iowa. And it's uh, you know, as, as Dan said, it's had its worldwide fame as well. So, uh, Main and Shop is a special place. All right. And you're still building the calendar for the coming year um, in just 15 seconds. Is there something you're particularly excited about, Jim? Getting a few blue shows back in. So we're working on another one. But we've got Mississippi Heat coming in next Wednesday on Valentine's Day. That's going to be a fun show. And, uh, and yeah, lots of good things on the calendar and much more to come. All right. We'll play out with a little bit of Mississippi Heat. Jim Brockpoller is manager of the maintenance shop these days. I was also talking with Allison Talliot, maintenance shop co-director and a junior at Iowa State University. And Hassan Reif, live audio engineer for Pinnacle Recording and Productions in Ankeny and a former lead sound tech for the M Shop, marking the 50th anniversary of the maintenance shop at Iowa State University. Talk of Iowa's production of IPR News. This show was produced by Samantha McIntosh with help from Maddie Willis. I'm Charity Nebbe. This is Talk of Iowa. <laughs>